Come over here, man, Fenn. I'm washing dishes. I can wait. Come here, I want to talk to you. Now, I know you've had some trouble. Just and everything that's happened this week. And I'm sorry. But God has willed this, and we must obey God. Maybe you just dreamed it. I didn't dream it. I wouldn't make up something like that, son. Maybe. Maybe you're not right in the head. Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 43. Welcome to the Buzzkill Podcast, where this Father's Day we would like to thank all of our fathers for finding something other than a sock to finish in. Hey-o. <laughs> Start it off classy. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Jim. And I'm Justin. Hey, guys. Happy Father's Day to one of us. Thank you. Happy Thank Father's you. Day, James. Thanks, man. How does it feel? Uh, Felt good. good for about four seconds. Ah, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, right? Like, like five years ago. <laughs> and then again two years ago. And then never since. Never since. <laughs> never more. Hmm. Uh, yes, uh, it is Father's Day. and Well, not really. Today is not Father's Day. Today is. The Thursday before Today Father's Day. <laughs> Speaking in uh, in the future tense here. Yeah. How was your uh, How was your day? How was your week? Good, man. Been uh, working hard and <laughs> working hard. Hardly working. <laughs> you know. You're getting ready for a big gig, eh? I am. Yeah. I do. Got a wedding I'm doing tomorrow and uh, DJ and wicka wicka uh with, without the wicka wickas because those suck at weddings. If you're a DJ, don't you're right. unless you're really good at it. But lots of uhs. <laughs> don't do the wicka wickas in there. Do you throw any of the uhs in there though? Only if it's Lil John. That's <laughs> <laughs> more like a yeah yeah. <laughs> I w- who did you? Was it you that said you went to a, a um a wedding where the DJ was yelling into the microphone the whole time? Uh, no, but I was at a wedding once where it was majority of older people there, mm-hmm. and the DJ is first. <laughs> The uh, the first dance song when the dance floor opened was the unedited version of Gin and Juice with all the MFers, all this and that, and my jaw hit the floor. Why? Oh, it's great. That's not even a good wedding song. Did the did the bride and groom request it or something? It's, it's possible. <laughs> what about you, Mikey? What have you been up to? Uh nothing. I uh, I went to go see some uh, animals behind cages. Oh yeah, it's very very nice. Where? By, to the greatest sunshiny place in the world. Toledo, Ohio. Good old Toledo. <laughs> What's round on the ends and high in the middle? Ohio. <laughs> so um, we went to the Buck Rack of America a couple of days ago. Mm. And, and it does smell down there. It does smell. Like, <laughs> right when you cross over into Ohio. Sorry if there's any Ohio listeners. But They'll your, probably your agree state, with us. <laughs> your state smells a little bit. It's weird. <laughs> but, but past the oil refineries and Is south that... of downtown Detroit, that's pretty bad over yeah, there. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's yeah. true. We got our own butt crack, I suppose. Dude, speaking of uh, speaking of Ohio, <laughs> I re- Aaron read me this story today <clears throat> that she saw. A woman in Cincinnati, Ohio was arrested yesterday because she... Got a toddler stuck in her vagina. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, this isn't real. Like, was she I, giving birth? I no, I a toddler, Michael. Oh, a, to- a toddler. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it was a kangaroo. <laughs> she it just was, hung out for a while. I, she was three hundred months, uh, <laughs> three hundred months along, and then it finally decided to come out. No, it's uh, what was what. I, it, I thought it was fake when I first saw it. Like I was like, this has to be a fake headline. And then Aaron opened it and she started reading it. And this woman was depressed because she was because the doctor told her that she would never have kids. And she was she was a really large lady, and the doctor told her she would never be able to bear children. So she got super depressed, and then she called nine one one and told them that she had a baby stuck inside of her, and they assumed that she was giving birth. Yeah, and that. She couldn't, you know, push the kid out. Here and comes four-year-old Timmy! They get there, and a toddler is shoved up her vagina up to his waist. Wow. And, oh, my God. Yeah. And he had a broken hip, unfortunately. And they couldn't, like, two police or two uh, um, paramedics were pulling with all their might and couldn't get the kid out, so they had to take her and give her an operation to get the kid out. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that fucked up? I wish you could see my face right now, because... <laughs> Like, I didn't mean to start off on on this kind of note, but when we started talking about Ohio, I was like, Ohio, man, that's, I guess that's their deal. Wow. That's, that's Ohio. That's a big truck. You hear all those stories about, like, the top 10 things stuck in people's, like, orifices? Yeah. I think that one just takes the cake. That's number one. The sideways, the sideways hammer, I think, was the worst thing that I've ever seen. Oh, (laughs) God. Why sideways? sideways I think the sideways thing happened after it was put up there, I I would hope. (laughs) But so yeah. Anyway, that's uh, oh my god, that's a fun headline for you. I like it. Yeah. Wow. I that that's a visual I'm not gonna be able to get out of my head now. I'll I'll send you the article later so you can see the Wait, woman who did said, it. You said that she was pretty big there. Are we sure it was her vagina or was it just not like a like a roll? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. They said vagina. So wow. Gross. Yikes. Yikes. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't what know. Else, to, what else you got? I don't know how to bring us out of that. Really. <laughs> how, how was the zoo since you guys were in Ohio? Uh, we got to talking about animals. Let's hear about the real animals the, this time. The zoo was fun. We uh, we go every year and we we load up some some Coke Zeros with some hundred proof rum. Yep. The Toledo Zoo doesn't know that though, so don't tell them. <laughs> And then we just walk around all day and drink a bit. And yep. We fed some giraffes. We did feed some giraffes. That's pretty cool. One of them didn't have any bottom teeth, so its tongues just hung out of its mouth. And I think it heard me laughing at it because <laughs> it came up to me and refused to take lettuce out of my hand. Oh, no. What an asshole. No. <laughs> Not it, like, you, the it, giraffe. It really, seemed, it really seemed offended by my presence. Like It came up and kind of smelled me and then it kind of jumped back. And I was like, no. Well, I, 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 like shit. I was kind of offended. I was like, do I really... <laughs> Like I've only been out in the sun for an hour. And that's I don't know. a giraffe who probably smells bad smells all day. He turned from you. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. What are you gonna um, do? On a brighter note here. Yes. Get us out of this <clears throat> weird funk of smelling okay, and sure. babies. Yeah. Um. Last week we talked about uh, Neil Bloomcamp had a new uh, short project that mm-hmm. he was doing that uh, Oats Studio. We couldn't remember what it was called. It was called Oats Studio, and uh, I didn't realize that we were this close to him releasing his first one, but he released his first uh, short film. Yeah. Did uh, you guess, watch it? Yeah, I, I did. Get, I didn't get it's time called, to it's watch called it. It's called Raka, mm-hmm. uh, and it's starring Sigourney Weaver and. Um, uh, some other girl that I thought I knew and didn't, and I didn't write her name down. <laughs> I guess she's not that important. But uh, it's awesome. Like I, I do not understand people's dislike for Neil Bloomkamp. Like I love everything he does. Who do you know that doesn't like him? Oh, the world. That's oh, why really? his movies bomb. <laughs> That's oh. why Chappie did so bad. I think Elysium bombed. Um, yeah, I, none of them really did all that well. But I like, thought a lot of people liked uh, District Nine. 
District 9 was good because it was the first time I think people had seen something like that. So it was more the visual style that people well, so clamored I, to. I guess it just surprises me that people wouldn't have like rode that momentum and, yeah. and continued well, to see his movies, but I don't know. Uh, well, <clears> this <throat> this Rocka, it's, it's, uh, it's a 20-minute short, and it's split up into three parts. Um, and uh, Sigourney Weaver plays like the leader of the resistance, mm-hmm. if you will, against the, uh, like a post-apocalyptic, alien-ravaged world. And... From the look of a lot of the um, the <coughs> now the aliens themselves, because the aliens themselves are very like District Nine Neil Bloomkamp sort yeah. of more reptilian, yeah, but they're really really cool. But a lot of the uh, the imagery that the aliens use for their structures looks very almost um, like Geigerish sort of. Oh really? And so I wonder if a lot of this came from that alien script. Well, it's no kind of like what we said used. last week. Like yeah, he, he's not doing alien, so he might as well take some of that and do something with it. Yeah, but it's dude, it's fucking <coughs> cool though. Like it's really really good yeah i, I gotta watch it it. i just saw it that it was up like right before i came here so yeah. i didn't get a chance to, to watch it it reminds me of like uh like like alien slash alien 3 mm-hmm. meets like terminator salvation and i didn't really like terminator salvation but i liked the imagery in it mm-hmm. uh, of like a world just overrun by uh, in that case machines but in this case aliens and like they're breeding them and they're it was just really cool yeah that's cool it, yeah it was, it was awesome so. <clears throat> we'll have to check it out yes sir well so, anyway uh um, so we're drinking some alcohol as always, as per usual. Uh, this week, uh, we are talking about dads. Faj- well, I've, Fajas. I, the working title I, I decided of this episode is dad's losing his shit. <laughs> Cause that's, that's kind of what happens in all three of these movies is dad, oh, it's just, true. dad just loses his shit. Um, a couple more do it more so than others mm-hmm. or the other, but, uh, so we and and because it's Father's Day, we thought it was appropriate to talk about dads, mm-hmm. especially dads going crazy because that, that's. I what think happens. my dad's going crazy. I think my dad's going <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so this week we are drinking, uh, not your father's ginger ale. Ooh. I'm sure you guys have all seen this not your father's stuff around. It's becoming wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and we're all trendy. So. Yeah, we're super trendy and hip. Uh, uh, none of us have tried the ginger ale yet. Nope. So Ooh, definitely you know, I, I, I wanted to start a uh, a company not, ripping off of this a little bit after they started coming out and it became huge. Mm-hmm. But like a men's shampoo, not your brother's shampoo. <laughs> like nacho brother's macaroni and cheese. They're like some crazy stuff. Nacho cheese? What, nacho about, cheese. what about nacho brother's nachos? <laughs> I, I like it. So, so what we got about this beer? Tell uh, us about it. Well, this is, uh, I think most of this is just about the actual brewery. Small town brewery, by the way. Um... But right here we've got, this is beer flavored with spices. We like to think of it as a refreshing ale brewed with ginger. <laughs> you like to think of it that way? Isn't that exactly what it is? Best served chilled. Good thing we're, we have it chilled. Or po- poured in a glass over ice. We know you'll enjoy it. We do. Well, there, it's, it's, that's, it's, that's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. Yeah. yeah. You know I'll enjoy it. What if we don't? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is from Small Town Brewery in... Why don't I ever look at this before? It's probably a small town somewhere, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say anywhere. Uh, if you can find it anywhere on the bottle, I would I would I'm love to know where it's from. La Crosse, Wisconsin. Where no, look at that. Oh, okay. Look at that. Small <clears throat> town brewery, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Cool. Well, let's give it a try. I do love La Crosse. Oh, that looks like Salisbury Joe on the front. No, look at that. Just an old-timey, handsome gentleman. Yeah. Cheers, gents. Yeah, luck. Oh yeah, mm, it's like ginger ale. Yeah. Wow, little Yummy. change, little change up in your standard uh, standard beer this week. Yeah, 
but I now, enjoy it. <clears throat> they say this is beer flavored with spices. I, I didn't think these were actually like really beers. They were more like... Uh, well, they're probably brewed so differently though, you know? Yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Whatever. That's, uh, that's not your father's ginger ale. It's delicious. I could actually probably kill this whole See, thing it's, right it's now. It's one of those I things. I have the root beer. The root beer is pretty sweet. And it's one of those things you're not going to drink a six-pack and get hammered off of because you get just the sweetness of it would, would make you sick, I Yeah, would these might go to your gut. I had, yeah, a, couple, I had a couple they of them in a row, would. and I was like, that, that's it. I'll just have a regular beer after that. I have. They have uh, They have not your mother's uh, brand out now, too. And I had one a few weeks ago and it was because it was, it was pie day. So I guess it wasn't a few weeks ago. It was back in March. March 14th, I went out and I was like... I saw this. It was not your mother's rhubarb, strawberry oh, rhubarb so pie. Good. Damn uh-huh. it, that was delicious. Mm-hmm. But that's another really one that'll give you gut, <clears throat> gut rot, though. Yeah, it's like you can have like one or two and then switch back over to good old-fashioned mm-hmm. utility beer. Yep. Anyway, uh, I guess it's time for corrections. Stupid! You're so stupid! Michael? Uh, we did pretty good last week. Oh yeah, we only got one thing wrong, and I actually already covered it. Oh, I couldn't think. We couldn't think of what uh, Neil Bloomkamp's new studio was. Oh, that was the only thing that stuck out to me. Now, I'm sure there was a shit ton of other stuff we got wrong. Yeah, because we're stupid. Vito Power wasn't <laughs> on his game this week. He didn't call us and tell us everything that we got wrong. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much like our, our fact hound. Come on, man, <laughs> get on it. But uh, yeah, so I guess if there's no corrections, that means we can jump into the bleed feed. Yeah, baby. Hey chum, if you find yourself saying, well, can't I just get my horror news anywhere? Well, speak for yourself, you jackanapes. When you want the real news about fake stuff, you come to the bleed feed. Take it away, Charlie. That's right, old-timey guy. <laughs> I appreciate Sal's, him coming Salisbury back Salisbury Joe. Salisbury Joe. All right, let's get this one out of the way. The giant elephant, or the giant bat in this case, out of the way. Don't mention it. We lost, uh, we lost Adam West this week. Yeah. I did Terrible not know. Moves. What did he had leukemia? Yeah, I actually just read before this that he actually had leukemia. I did I not. Know I didn't know that when he act the day he actually passed. But yeah. um, Jeez, bummer. Yeah, that uh, that one sucks. Eighty eight years old. <clears throat> that yeah. yeah that that was, was a real bummer. He he was not my Batman. I know a lot of people say, oh, he was my Batman. Oh, you know, the yeah. person you grew. I guess my Batman would be Keaton. Keaton. Probably Keaton. Yeah. Even though I think I saw those ones after I saw like Batman Forever. So maybe Keaton. You, you never you never watched the, the T V show when uh, you were younger? Not a lot when I was younger, more so as an adult. Oh okay. I've gone back to I used to it. watch it on Nick at Night a lot when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. I um, it was always it was on. I remember it being I think on, it was Nick at Night. I, I can't remember. T V Land maybe. Yeah, T V like Land that. or something, yeah. yeah. Um it was in syndication for a long time, but um yeah, no, I that, that sucks though. <clears> I mean uh, it, if you don't know him from Batman, you'd know him as the mayor of uh yeah, Quahog, Fam- family Family Guy. He was amazing on Family Guy. Still doing crazy stuff like that up until it, you know. Well, I just I love the because he was ages. because he was Mayor Adam West. He wasn't yeah, right. playing and he just he made loved, fun of himself. And yeah, I thought that was so cool. He absolutely loved the idea of of using his per, his own person personal self as his character. Right. Like, he was totally okay with that. <laughs> um, one of the the best things that I was able to listen to uh, in regards to Adam West passing is uh, there's a podcast called um, Hollywood Babylon. That is, uh, it's Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman's uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and Ralph Garman is was very close to Adam West. Oh, personally, personally, very close, yeah, yeah. He start started <clears throat> off as a fan, and like Adam West was his idol. Like Adam West was the whole reason that Garman started. Like, and even when Adam West faded faded away for a lot of years, 
uh, when Garmin would bring them up on radio, they were always very appreciative. And then they were able to work together and they formed a friendship. And right. he's been close to him for about 20 years, though. And so if you want to hear a very, very heartfelt send off to Adam West, I, I urge everyone to go listen to the latest episode of Hollywood Babylon. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I was at work listening to it today, and it was tough for me not to like start crying listening to two grown men just start losing it over them losing their friend, you know. Yeah. And um, it was really cool, though. A really cool send off. Really learn a lot about the guy. A lot yeah. about you know. I heard what a lot. Nice guy. He I heard was. a lot about it. I want to go back and listen to it. Yeah, because like. I Ralph Garman is the whole reason that Adam West got a, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He oh, fought really? for four years to get wow. it. him and uh, and with the help of like Seth MacFarlane and a lot of other guys, finally gave it to him. And like, it was it was just a really touching story about Adam West and, yeah, and all that. So that's really cool. But yeah, um, so uh, rest in peace, Adam West. Yes, sir. Man. All um, right. So our next piece of news, I think that you will enjoy. Uh, you're a big fan of The Strangers. I am. And uh, they are currently filming The Strangers 2. Right. And uh, the director of that project uh, was just giving an interview, and he said it's going to have a very 70s John Carpenter-type vibe to it. Really? Which I'm very excited about. That's cool. Very, very excited now, about. Now, uh, Brian Bertino is not directing anymore, No, right? I believe he is just producing it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so... Uh, I, uh, who Who is it? Johannes Roberts that's, that's uh, yep, directing that's now? Yep, is he? You said you mentioned earlier. What else did he? He, direct? I believe, uh, he just directed Forty Seven Meters Down, which is in theaters. Oh, the, which uh, is in theaters, I think, this week. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I think okay. Friday comes out. Yeah, so so two <laughs> two two days removed now. So but. he's he's dealing with two movies that had a hard time getting because yeah. Forty Seven Meters Down was pretty much like. That movie was only released theatrically because of the um, because of the shallows mm-hmm. because that movie did so well. Right, they were kind of clamoring for any new shark movies, and that one I believe was already in production. Well, I think people are really getting stoked on the idea of bringing back like big summer shark movies again. Well, with Meg, Meg is and people are getting oh, so super God. super excited about Meg, and yep. been hearing a lot about Forty Seven Meters Down. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, starring I'm Mandy equal, Moore, equally as excited about Strangers too, because that's also. I mean, that's been in like development hell for what, like three years or something like that. Which I one? Uh, Strangers two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it was yeah. dead for a while, and then they were. Yeah. It was. There's been a lot of drama around that. One. <clears throat> right. All right. Moving on. Um, you fan of Big Trouble in Little China? Indeed, I am. Well, guess what? You're gonna get some more of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Speaking of John Carpenter, John Carpenter is co-writing a four-part miniseries, comic series, called Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack. Really? That's cool. going to be coming for episode or issue one. It's going to be coming out in September of this year. I think I remember a while back him talking about uh, working working on a comic or graphic novel of some mm-hmm. kind, but I didn't know what it was. So that's yeah, cool. That's, the, that's exciting um, to hear. Yeah. The, uh, the, <clears throat> the synopsis of it actually sounds really, really cool. Uh, it's uh, the year is 2020 and hell is literally on earth. Ching Dai, sick of relying on screw-ups like Lo Pan to do his bidding, has broken the barriers between earth and the infinite hells and declared himself as ruler of all. 60-year-old Jack Burton is alone in a tiny corner of Florida with only his broken radio to talk to until one day it manages to pick up a message. Someone out there in the hellscape. I love that. The hellscape. The hellscape. <laughs> uh, someone is out there in the hellscape and they know a way to stop Ching Dai. Nice. So it's kind of a continue like a sequel, but it's going to be old man Jack Burton, which I think is pretty cool. Once again, just another thing that uh, that gets me wanting to get into comic books. I get right. There's so many of them. I think with, some of them have started uh, to come with, out with Leslie Vernon and the mm-hmm. uh, the King Kong graphic novel that's coming out and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's about time to go hit up the old comic shop. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, what else you got? So speaking of Kurt Russell, another segue from a segue. Ooh. 
learned something very cool about Kurt Russell today. Yeah. Now I'm a huge fan. I did not tell you about this first off because I think I think it's so cool. Um, I'm a huge fan of paranormal stuff, UFO stuff, and one of the most famous stories of now, sightings. You, do you consider UFO paranormal? I think it, well, paranormal is more like yeah, you're right. I'm, supernatural, yeah, ghosts. Well, it's and, all supernatural though. Yeah, I guess. Like, well, well, would it be aliens are natural? I don't know, I guess. man. Whatever. <laughs> but I like super. UFOs. They're super. They are super. And they're natural. Well, okay, all right, supernatural. <laughs> I like UFO stuff, all right? And one of the one of the, the biggest mass sightings, if not, I think it was the biggest mass sighting, 20,000-some people mass sighting, were the Phoenix Lights. Mm -hmm. Now, the story of the Phoenix Lights, if you are not aware of it, uh, it's the most witnessed UFO event in U.S. history. Uh, and the craft is said to be as large as several football fields. Authorities were alerted by a civil pilot whose identity was unknown until today i'm taking that from the article but the article goes it on it was kurt russell the article <laughs> goes on to say that uh back back in 1997 when this happened kurt russell was the civil pilot that first called in the phoenix lights i was joking no it he was. was the actual pilot he was he was in this <laughs> I'm taking more out of the story than just this. <laughs> he uh, is a pilot, apparently. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that and either. And he was flying his son to see his son's girlfriend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he doesn't just get dropped off. He gets flown <laughs> to see his girlfriend. <laughs> anyway, he was flying, and uh, he his son goes, you know, what's, what's that in the sky? And he goes, I have no idea what it is. And he went and called it in. And they said, no, there's no other crafts in the sky and this and that. And he goes, okay, well, I'm reporting these lights and this and that. And then he landed, did his thing, went home, never thought about it again. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until years later, uh, Goldie, his wife, was mm -hmm. watching uh, a thing on TV about these this mass sighting. And he peeks his head in because it sounded really familiar. And he realized, those are the lights I saw. I was the civil pilot. And he went back and checked his flight logs. And he didn't record anything about the lights because he really just didn't think anything of it. But that he, he was flying that day. It was the exact day really? that he had called it in. Yeah. And so Kurt Russell was the civil pilot. <laughs> That's awesome. That was that called in the first sighting of the the most mass UFO sighting in U.S. history. That's really cool. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, Kurt Kurt Russell is my hero. Awesome. That's, that's <laughs> the moral of that story. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we've got a few blue releases coming up. Okay. Um, first of all, Arrow is uh, releasing the children original Children of the Corn on Blue September nineteenth. Nice. I just um, recently saw this movie for the first time when we did our kids episode. Uh, children, Children of the Corn. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that was your first. Oh, that was your first time, yes, wasn't sir. it? Um, yeah. The uh, the cover art, the new cover art for this is very awesome. Yeah, you, it you is. saw it already. Yeah, right? it's like a, it's a, what's the name of the kid? The the. Oh, oh crap! Uh, guys, smell corrections. <laughs> no, oh crap! It's, anyway, anyway, it's the main kid. It's the main kid. Um, yeah, Isaac. Isaac. There yeah. we go. I wanted to say Simon. I wanted to say Malachi. Malachi was. I, I, my mind always goes to Malachi because he's so ugly. Um, but anyway, that's that's coming out on uh, September nineteenth. Two K restoration from the original negative. Uh, that comes with audio commentary from John Sullivan of ChildrenOfTheCornMovie.com and horror journalist Justin Beam. Uh, audio commentary with director Fritz Kirsch and the producer and a couple of actors. Hor uh, Harvesting Horror, The Making of Children of the Corn. Is that a new um, documentary? Or? Yes. Nice. It's a retrospective piece featuring interviews with director Fritz Kirsch and actors John Franklin and Courtney Gaines. 
Um, it was the 80s, an interview with actress Linda Hamilton, uh, Return to Gatland, which is a brand new featurette revisiting the film's original Iowa shooting locations. Cool. Stephen King on a shoestring, an interview with producer Donald Borchers. Oh, they're doing a lot for this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Welcome to Gatlin, the sights and sounds of Children of the Corn. Feeling Blue, an interview with the actor who played the Blue Man in the fabled Excise sequel and theatrical trailer. Very cool. So, quite a lot. Yeah, very cool. Uh, um, Scream Factory really knows how to put out a release, man. Yeah, man. They really go all out. They actually awesome. have, this does nothing for anybody listening on Sunday, but they actually have a 50% off their entire catalog right now. Scream Factory does? Yeah. I'm going to go oh, on yeah, and get, gonna go on and get a couple, day. I think, before it ends. I think yeah, it ends on sure. the 18th, so this Sunday it ends. Um, so if you listen to it on Sunday, you, you might, have a couple hours. Might you might, have a, might, be able to <laughs> might have a chance, yeah. Um, August 8th, uh, Scream Factory is also putting out, uh, oh, well, no, that was Arrow was the first one. Oh, Arrow yeah, is putting sorry. it out. Arrow's oh, putting that one well, out. Arrow is, Arrow is also another really good company. Right. Mostly UK stuff. They do a lot of US stuff as well, mm-hmm. but a lot of their big box sets are UK only. Right. But they cheat a little bit and make them region free, even though they say they're region B. Arrow was, uh, they're the ones that put out the, the really awesome, uh, um, Damn it! What the hell's the? I I don't know. The, uh, the uh, <laughs> phantasm. Phantasm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't Arrow put that out? Yeah, they they had the one with like the big with the ball. silver ball. Yeah. yeah. Now the American release only had the films. Right. And that was it. Um, August eighth, Scream Factory is putting out Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf two, and uh, t- and the Teen Wolf complete animated series. There was an animated series. There was. That? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the animated series comes out on September fifth. Sorry. Uh, Teen Wolf will have a two-hour and 23-minute documentary called Never Say Die, the story of Teen Wolf. Hmm. Uh, Teen Wolf 2 has a ton of interviews with the director and actors, and then uh, and then the complete animated series. So Very cool. Sounds pretty awesome. I also heard today that um, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2 is going to be dropping in August. Oh, really? So that's... Yes. I'm sure you'll be all over that. Oh, yeah. yes. Cool. And I'm going to buy the Best Buy Steelbook this time. Ooh, nice. Because last time, I didn't. Well, I bought myself one. But then they, once they sell out, though, those things jumped in price like 100 bucks. So I'm definitely so going to... So you're going to buy two? I'm definitely going to play the market on this one. You're going to cap- buy two and sell one? I'm going to be a capitalist <laughs> on this one. Yep. <laughs> nice. I dig it. And you all can right. buy us some more beers. All right. So our last <laughs> bit of news we have today is that um, randomly, Kevin Smith is shooting a new movie. Right Didn't even know this was a thing. Uh, Kevin Smith is currently filming a movie called Kilroy Was Here. Mm-hmm. Kilroy being that character, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, it's the guy with the giant nose looking over the, the looking over the wall. He's always drawn in bathroom stalls. Yes, like, always in bathroom like stalls. It's like a World War II thing, I think. It's, oh, that's, is it? where he started. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the the funny thing about this though is that if uh, if you know anything about Kevin Smith, uh, you might have heard that he had once written a uh, anthology movie about Krampus. Yeah, that was called uh, "Comes the Krampus." It was later retitled "Anti-Claus," and uh, the whole idea was that he was—they were going to make this Krampus movie, but then somebody else came along, made a good Krampus movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they kind—they they kind of scrapped theirs. Yeah. So they uh, hooked up with Bob Kurtzman again, the guy that uh, was one of the founders of K and BFX. Right. Uh, he did uh, the, the the Walrus and Tusk, the Bratsies and Kevin Smith's other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hooked up with him and uh, for creature effects for this uh, Kilroy, essentially. And uh, they're they're making this movie in a, in a partnership with Ringling College of Art and Design. So oh, basically nice. what they're doing is it's his movie. They wrote it. 
yet all the the crew is all people that are going to this college to oh, go it's to all school students? for filmmaking. Yeah, oh, all that's students. really cool. So this is really, yeah, really, really cool thing. Probably really cheap, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and, and tons of kids get a chance to work with. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone that they probably look up to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. That's so, awesome. So that's something that's coming. I, I didn't even know this was a thing until like today. He just was on Facebook Live going, hey, we're on a movie set. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool. get out of college, hand out your resume with that you did a movie with Kevin Smith on there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Before you even get into the real Just, world. That's awesome. You might want to take that off, though, too, because it's a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs> <laughs> he made that walrus movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was the bleed feed. And those were the stories that made the cut. Boom, that was the news. All right, uh, so let's talk about some crazy fathers. My dad's losing his shit. Throughout this, they'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. You know, gentlemen, Yeah. anybody can be a father. Well. It takes a six-pack of beer <laughs> and a, a hurt brain to be a bad dad. <laughs> oh, can I always count on you to say at least one really stupid thing? Got those zingers, what can I say? <laughs> well, uh... Let so, me ask you a question. Uh, ask me. How's your father? My dad? How's your father? Very well. He's camping right now, so oh, he's really? he's in his element. Any uh, any any crazy dad stories? Some somewhere somewhere off in in the the wilds of uh, <laughs> Harbor Beach, Michigan. I think it's no, I guess it's uh, Port Huron, Michigan, because that's where they're camping. Mm. My dad is standing with a beverage in his hand, with his right leg elevated, and, and your mother is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, my dad. Uh, here's a fun fact: uh, Captain Morgan did not invent the big gym. The big gym, which the big gym is, is the stance that Captain Morgan is standing in with his with one leg up on the keg. Captain Morgan didn't invent that. My dad did. Your dad invented the Captain Morgan. That is exactly that is a. It's called the big gym, and it is a historical fact. You can look it up in every picture from my dad's childhood and before he was doing it before he was a child mm -hmm. so that's just a fun fact for you do i have any crazy dad stories any crazy dad stories like you mean like, like my dad fun, like fun crazy dad stories not like he beat you with a baseball bat when you were four. Oh, not to bring that back up well because that's a fun one <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you i'm gonna ask you first because i feel like you already have one preloaded well, and i gotta think about it i have i have two i have, I have one good one bad i think i've said this story before my father used to tell me a story about how um, uh, the lady that used to live in our house before us, mm -hmm. Mrs. Fisher, died in my parents' room. Mm -hmm. My father once told me a story about how he cursed her basically out of the house by by killing her with kindness. <laughs> he, uh, he claims that he woke up in the middle of the night, saw her, and basically said, everything's fine, you can go away now, and she left the house. What a gentleman. I know, right? Right? Yeah. But dad, but see, dad stories about like seeing ghost see, mouths are crazy. See, that's where people get it wrong in the movies because they're they're trying to be like, this is my house. All you got to do is ask nicely. Mm -hmm. Like, just leave. We got it. We're 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 keep we're holding it down here. You the can other, leave now. The other the other cool story <clears> that goes <throat> along with that before he I think banished her the second time he saw her because this happened twice. Mm -hmm. uh, woke up in the middle of the night, 
clock radio in the bathroom. So in my house, you have like my room was at the far far end of the end of the hallway. Parents' room was next to mine, and there was a bathroom sort of in the middle between them. And um, excuse me, this ginger ale is very gingery. <laughs> anyway, uh, about three four o'clock in the morning, the radio turns on and starts blaring this old timey like fifties music, and nobody uses that clock radio but me. And I wake, and so I fly up out of bed. My dad flies up out of bed. He goes in there and just unplugs the radio, just because it was the first first thing that he saw, because the plug was like right next to the switch. Mm-hmm. He just unplugs it and he goes, "Oh my god!" And so we went back to bed. It was no big deal. When I got up in the morning, I plugged it back in, and the dial was set to 89x because I listened to that every single morning, which is a rock station in Detroit here. Mm-hmm. And so where this music came from... Uh, let's let's specify it's a butt rock station. So, well, it is so now. It my, is now. Back Mike, in the day... Mike it was, was the, listening to butt rock. Back in the day, <laughs> it was the new rock alternative. Yeah, that's okay? true, yeah. Now it's the, the new, new butt alternative. But... But, but with indie <laughs> and occasional but, but, but. Eminem, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it's why do they now. randomly play Eminem? They'll on play there. Eminem and like just because he's from Detroit, I, I guess. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, more of the story is though is that this radio station was playing this crazy old time fifties music, which that radio station does not play, mm-hmm. and so it was just another really weird thing to happen though that I kind of shared that moment with my dad. So kind of right cool. On. Yeah. What about you, Jay? You got anything? Well, you, you're, you said your dad's up there standing with a leg up right now, probably mm-hmm. with a beverage in his hand. And my dad's probably doing the same thing with with. My mom just going. It's their anniversary today. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, so oh, he's yeah. anniversary. They're, they're, out, they're out. They're totally they making you a brother. Doing it right so now. So there's there's uh, coitus. They, like they are d- probably coiting nice. at this moment. Are they are they staying somewhere tonight? I don't know. Wait, I, I, could I you say that his dad's getting really randy? Hey, <laughs> or right. His, or his mom's getting really randy. Ooh, his <laughs> mom, yeah. That's enough. That's uh. enough. <laughs> but yeah, so they're out celebrating their anniversary. Went out to dinner, and well, it's 11.30 in the evening at this moment right now. We're recording this. So they're probably heading back into the pool. Oh, the yeah. You think? Pull off a random car road down a road somewhere and... That's a, cla- that's a classy move. That's a really classy move by Randy. I like that. But yeah, but my my folks are doing well. And see, I got man, lots of stories from from my pop from back in the day. We did he used to take me up north bow hunting with them when they were you know little kids up to Caseville up close by your folks' place and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We just did a lot of stuff camping, Cedar Point. Uh, I do remember one time we had I was about. 11 or 12 and I got a dirt bike it was a Yamaha YZ250 and I was like I want to be like Jeremy McGrath and race and it was cool but Did I Did he sing uh, for Sugar Ray? <laughs> yes <laughs> um, and, and so we, he had the dirt bike and we had I had a quad I was on and we're like let's squat on this track one more time and it was all moguls as you're going out <clears throat> and so and the, he had an issue where it, it felt like it wasn't shifting into gear or something like that so he gave it more gas and he only came back out because I wanted to go one last time before we left and so he goes to give it more gas, and then it finally kicked into gear right, and he just goes, Vran! and flips up in the air, and he smacks shoulder first right into a mogul, came down, and boom, in this little side dirt hill. and he get busted up? He was, he was pretty sore. That's my dad. That's my, that's my dad. Probably had a few beers in him. I don't know. That's Randy. <laughs> um, I don't like. I told I told my dad's one ghost story, ghost type story on the show already. The one where he woke up in the middle of the night and he thought he saw me standing at the foot of his bed, and then he he said, "Hey, what are you doing, man?" And I walked into their bathroom in their bedroom and I turned the corner and then he got up. My mom said, "What are you doing?" And he said, "Jimmy just walked into our." bathroom i don't know what he's doing and he went in there and i was gone mm-hmm. and then i'm pretty sure when i told this story one of you guys made the joke did he have a few budweiser's in him there's a good chance that he did <laughs> <laughs> 
No, my dad is my dad's amazing. He's uh he he owns an Anheuser Busch distributor up in the Thumb. Uh, he's always him and my mom have always been just so good to us. Like every time we go up there on our canoeing trips and stuff like that, they're we basically go raid the warehouse. Well, with, we we with raid carts full of beer. We raid the <laughs> we raid the warehouse, and then when we get back, like we'll 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 go to their house for one night out of the weekend that we go up there and. They just like pull out all the stops. My dad's at the grill for about four hours, just cooking up every kind of meat you can think of. My mom's in the kitchen for like an entire day, mm-hmm. just get, putting out a spread that's like, like like craft services at the Oscars <laughs> or something like that. No, so. I've, I've had craft services at on real like Clint Eastwood film sets. <clears throat> Trust me, your mother puts them to shame. Yeah. <laughs> and so, father with the so, girl. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Father's Day, I'm, 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 I could tell all kinds of funny stories, but I'll just take the opportunity to say that I love my dad. He's an awesome dude, and I think that's it. Well, I well, love yeah. mine too. Love my dad too. Yeah. Well, we all love our dads. All we right. love all you dads out there. Happy <laughs> now, Father's Day, dads. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Has your father ever come to you saying that he had a vision from God and that he wanted to teach you and your siblings to go kill the demons in the world? Uh, probably, but once again, I think there was probably a lot of Budweiser's involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so segue. First segue. movie we are talking about tonight is a uh, little movie called Frailty. Mm-hmm. And if you've never seen this movie, you are doing yourself a huge disservice. It's kind of by a not hidden. It. It's kind of a hidden gem, right? Because I, I don't. I like. I, I I talk about this movie on and off, and a lot of people that I talk to about it haven't seen it. No, I agree. Um. It's from 2001. It was actually Bill Paxton who stars in it. It was his directorial debut. debut. I don't think he really directed a whole lot after that, did he? Uh, I think this might be the only movie he I was ever say, directed. He might have done some other stuff Maybe I'm not like familiar some TV with. TV or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. but um, so, so you said starring Bill Paxton. Starring Bill Paxton. Also Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. If you could see how I spelled McConaughey on my screen. McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> I added about 17 letters to his last name. Uh, uh, also, also, also Powers Booth. Who Powers we, booth. you know, we talked that he passed away a few weeks ago, and and we were talking about him. We couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't think of a lot of the roles that he was in. I mistakenly said Zorro or something, even mm-hmm. though I meant Tombstone, which is silly because I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Powers Booth is in this movie. Um, I, I mean, there's a few other people, but those are the big. Those, those are the, are the big those ones. are the big names. Yeah. Um, they really come to think of it, they really uh, were very forward thinking in this movie. And this is a little bit of a spoiler, but whatever. It's it's us. If you listen to us for this long, <laughs> we're not good at keeping spoilers. Yeah, we spoil everything. Um, but they really were forward thinking because they can still technically make a se- make a sequel out of this movie, even though two out of the three people are dead now. Uh, yeah, they definitely could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, this is. Uh, a short synopsis here. A man confesses to an FBI agent that his family's story, uh, uh, his family's story of how his religious fanatic father's visions led to a series of murders to destroy supposed demons. Demons. Um, what I what I what I like about this movie, uh, just like when you're first introduced to the characters, a lot of times in movies when you have like. I don't know, the mechanic father who's away from the house all day and he comes home late night for dinner and he's like, goes to crack a beer. He's not typically... There's a disconnect with his kids. Yeah, yeah, but like he comes home and he's that type of guy, but as soon as he gets home, he's just a very loving father. Sure. Like he's, oh, yeah. He wants to be very involved with his sons and I, I really like that aspect of it because it, it kind of goes against the norm of what you see in movies. It made him, it made him more um, approachable as right. a character. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so he, uh, they just, they live a pretty typical life. Just mm -hmm. the three of them, the three guys living in the house and, uh, the older brother kind of take, takes care of the younger brother because, uh, dad is off making money during the day. So, um, but they live a happy life and, uh, everything's going pretty well until one night, <laughs> one night, Bill Paxton's character is, his name is just, he's credited as Dad Meeks. You never really get his name. Oh shit, you're right. They just I don't call think him, I ever noticed that. They just call him Dad throughout the entire movie. <laughs> there is some speculation about what his name, what his full name might be. I'll get to that later. Mm. But yeah. he comes and wakes them up in the middle of the night and, and basically says, an angel came to visit me and told me that, uh, that my life's work from now on, our life's work, us as as a family, our life's work is to rid the world of demons. Mm -hmm. um, and he says he he told me that he will send me a list, uh, and he will send and and God will give us three weapons to use. And basically, after that, like they have to go out and find the names on the list and destroy those demons. Mm -hmm. Which uh, the younger son. Played by Jeremy Sumter, who looked really familiar, but I couldn't place him. The only the only other thing that I really know him from is the uh, the 2003 version of Peter Pan. He was Peter Pan. Yeah. I, oh I wow! Don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't think I've ever actually seen it, but I feel like I've seen like the uh, cover art or something like that. Yeah, probably. Interesting. Um, I don't really know him from much else. I'm, I'm sure he's been in other things, but I don't know. So, uh, young Adam, he he kind of take, he takes it, to it. It, it really clicks quickly. with him right yeah. away. He's like super into it. You can tell he just really looks up to his dad, and he's like, "Yeah, like let's, I'm ready for this mission from God." Mm -hmm. And the older son, Fenton, um, is obviously not not super into the idea. He thinks like this is you're just talking crazy talk. You had a weird dream, and you're letting it affect you too much. Mm -hmm. Now, this isn't actually how the the movie starts. The movie starts by um, Powers Booth, his character. Uh, he's an FBI agent. Which I didn't realize that Powers Booth was, was in this. I've uh, I've seen this movie multiple times. I don't think that I was familiar with Powers Booth, the actor. Mm. Uh, until just, a little bit more recently, right? Uh, and a little bit before he passed away, which is unfortunate because I, I watched him in Agents of Shield a lot. Yeah, and um, I never realized he was he was in this movie for all the times that I've seen it. Yeah, uh, so it was, it was cool to finally recognize him as an actor <laughs> and, and rewatch this. You know, right? Um, so he he shows up at the uh, at his office and and one of the people like his secretary or something. It's late night. He's showing up late night, and. Uh, one of the or the secretary says there's somebody waiting for you and he goes in and Matthew McConaughey's character who is introduced as Fenton Weeks mm -hmm. uh Fenton Meeks sorry um now at this point like uh how many years has it been I don't know if they, I don't know if they said how many years they might have but he's older he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's older like obviously in his, in his, in his like 30s yeah like maybe early 30s or something like early that early to mid something like that yep and uh and he he sits down he says what can I do for you and uh McConaughey's character Fenton says my brother is the God's hand killer mm -hmm. and it kind of it shows uh, it shows uh, Agent Doyle's who is Powers Booth it shows uh, Agent Doyle's wall is covered with all these pictures from the God's hand killer and uh, he's been hunting for him for years, and now here's this guy just sitting in front of him, just giving it up, telling yeah. telling him, he I know, I know who it him. is. And, yeah, he doesn't believe him, understandably so, because why would somebody just come in yep. and say, 
my brother's the killer and like if you knew this information why wouldn't you give him up long ago yep, yep. so then it uh he he basically just starts to tell him the story and then that's when it flashes back to you see bill paxton mm-hmm. and, and his two kids yeah mcconaughey sort of narrates the story yeah. as as it's progressing which yeah. i think was cool yeah i thought it was a really cool way to do it um so uh so yeah it's uh eventually it gets to the point where bill paxton's character dad Mm-hmm. is he he finds um an axe which is the first weapon mm-hmm. and then he finds a, a pair of gloves which next is to which the, is with the axe right the yeah. pair of gloves are so those are like the first two weapons he doesn't understand what the gloves are for yet and then he finds later a lead pipe and he's bringing he's bringing these things home and like showing them to the boys like they're the holy grail like look mm-hmm. at this this is what god gave us like when he first finds the axe it's like in a barn somewhere and there's a sunbeam coming through a broken part of the ceiling right on it like sword in the stone almost right um the the gloves confused me a little bit though i will say Why? this because the idea the whole idea of the gloves is that when when bill paxton puts his hand on the person's body basically touches their skin he basically sees what their crime was and he and, knows this person is is evil has done evil things right to, to specify is a quote-unquote demon right to specify the demons in question are actually they 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 look like people and as far as as far as um fenton is concerned mm-hmm. the older brother as far as he can, is concerned they they are just people and his dad is just going nuts and yeah. but the idea is that uh when dad goes to kidnap one of these quote-unquote demons he wears the gloves and then once he gets them back to their house, he'll take off the gloves and touch them, and then he can see their transgressions. Here's my problem with that. What? Don't you think it'd be a little bit more important to make sure that they are the sinner before you kidnap them? But the way he the way he <laughs> describes it is God was God was guiding him right to where he needed to be, and he would always ask the person their name sure. right before he knocked them out with the lead pipe. Thing is, though, is uh, because I've. I uh, Google searched my own name before. I know that there are at least like twenty other Michael Heckmans in 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 the the Northwest somewhere. Yeah, but you're talking. So you're talking about a like they live in a they live in a rural area. Like how many? Yeah, but God doesn't give them like a, a an address though. He does. He just he, gives them names. He gives them names, but then he like Bill Paxton's character says, "I didn't have any trouble finding it because God, like." told me exactly where to go mm, okay that's fair so that's fair uh, i just feel like you're gonna get the wrong you're gonna get the wrong you know mike smith one day <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah no i get what you're saying to I, go god sorry maybe i should have touched you before i kidnapped you and knocked you out and put you in my truck <laughs> hey he was on a he was on a quest from god and he knew exactly where he needed to be um, yeah, so, no, so was... yeah, the, the the unthinkable, as far as Fenton is concerned, the unthinkable happens, and his dad actually starts bringing these people back to their house mm-hmm. and disposing of them with an axe named Otis, which there are some people who speculate that Otis is the name of Dad Meeks. Yes, I don't buy it, though. I don't buy it either. Well, I don't buy it because in the commentary, Bill Paxton talks about oh, it. Oh, does he actually he specifically? Does. Okay. Uh, I, I wrote it down here so that I would know it. Uh, uh, according to the commentary, putting the name Otis on the axe was completely director Pil- Bill Paxton's uh, invention. Bill uh, Paxton. Bill Paxton, <laughs> that guy. Um, at the commentary, he talks, uh, it's noted that Paxton put the name Otis on an axe. Uh, um, 
Oh, 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 you know what? I didn't write this part down. There's, no, 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 no. The, the reason, no, no. I'm so bad. The reason that I'm a little bit, I, the reason that I'm discombobulated in this is because there's been a ton of different theories about the Otis name. Right. Uh, the one that I have actually written down here is that uh, Otis is an acronym for only, only the, the innocent, innocent survive. survive. That's one of the theories. Another one is that uh, the, puts the name Otis on the axe to market so the audience would know that it's an heirloom passed down from father to son. Now, there's also another version of the story that talks about how Bill Paxton, when they were shooting the movie, there was a homeless man, and he wanted to give him money, and the homeless man refused it, didn't, didn't want the handout. So right. he purchased the homeless man's name. The that homeless, was how, his name was and Otis? The, and the homeless man's name was Otis, and that's right how on. he was able to give him money because he felt like he was getting something. Right. So there's a lot of different ideas and theories about this. One of them was on the commentary. Uh, who knows? You know, it, yeah. We'll never know now because... Bill Paxton is no longer with us, right? But and he took it to maybe it's best that he took it to his grave. I, yeah, because it's it's cool when people talk about these things. You know, it's it's like there's another movie coming up that has a lot of things in it that are not explained that we'll never know the answer to. Like what? Um, what are you talking about? Uh, it has something to do with the moon landing. Oh, <laughs> you mean another movie that we're talking <laughs> yes. about tonight? Yeah. Um, anyway, the, yeah, the name Otis on the Axe though is it's intriguing. Yeah, it's very very intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. Now this is actually uh, I, I didn't know this until today when I was I was reading some stuff, but this is actually loosely based on um, an American serial killer named Joseph Callinger. Oh really? Yeah, he he murdered three people and tortured four families. Uh, he committed these crimes with his 13-year-old son Michael. That's a, good age. That's a good age for that. Yeah, between 1974 and 75 in New Jersey, Callinger pleaded insanity, claiming God had told him to kill. I feel as though he's probably not the first person to claim that God has told him to kill somebody. I think there's been tons um, of them, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I, I would I, I would say that maybe it was loosely based on the idea of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe not these people indivi individually. Well, no, but it's just, it's just like just an idea, like, you know... It, it's it not not necessarily that it's based on them. It's just the idea, like of of, because the the name God's Hand Killer mm -hmm. that's always really stuck with me. I was yeah. like, man, that sounds. It it's, sounds it's like cool. it's cool and also it's, brutal and it's like on the same level as like the Zodiac Killer. Like it's yeah. just a really cool. It's name. like really like, enigmatic, sort of, and yeah, just just weird. Um, like I can, now, I can I can get behind these killings. Now one thing and. <laughs> Now, one thing, and 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 uh, so, spoilers again. Sorry, but um, uh, it, it don't kinda, give away the, the don't don't give away the big spoiler though. No, I'm not going okay. to. It does kind of it comes to light that uh, it's not all bullshit. Yeah, you know, like these people are not necessarily demons in the way that you think, like you know, horned devils, like in 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 people disguises, but they're just people who have done horrible evil things. And that's what they're calling demons. Yeah. People who have like just are huge sinners, terrible people. Right. And you know, I guess I, I, if you look at it if you look at it from that perspective, I I guess you could say that these people have have demons, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh Bill Paxton actually planned early on to I, have, I know what you're talking so, about. So, so when he brings these people into, uh, in they they build this shed with like this dungeon down in the bottom, and he brings them back there, and that's when he takes off his gloves and touches them to see their their sins mm -hmm. to confirm that they are demons. Bill Paxton actually planned early on to show the crimes. Yeah, like, from, when he, from the get go. Right, and uh, and it was actually James Cameron at his suggestion that he he changed it to make that information a surprise toward the end of the mm -hmm. movie 
which I think was a really good call. I completely agree because you really do think he's crazy. The whole movie, you, you think really like do. he's just nuts, and he's and and uh, young Adam keeps on claiming like he's you know because Fenton keeps telling him dad's crazy and yeah. adam keeps going no i see it when he taught and, and he just sounds like a little kid who's just in love with his dad and and it will go along with whatever he says well, adam because, actually makes because his father is god in the eyes of a child yeah. you know and so and adam actually makes his own list you know and which, right. which further proves that you think he's making everything up yeah yeah because he comes to his dad with uh with a list and it's just the the kids who have bullied him at school mm-hmm. you know but then dad's like like no, you can't. You can't just do this. Like I promise you, God will give you a list when you get older. But so he keeps claiming to see these demons or see these sins whenever his dad touches them, and Fenton's just like, no, you don't. You know, you're just you're just listening to his insanity yeah. and just going along just with buy, it, buying into dad's delusions. And and the fact that they kept that out of the movie until the end was really effective yeah, because you you really just kind of do think that Bill Paxton might be out of his mind for a good portion of the movie. Uh-huh. So. Um, yeah, do you have a favorite part? Um, I was I was trying to come up with a favorite part for this one, and I don't know. I just really I don't know. I like the whole movie as a as a whole. I think it's I think it's I I there's a there's a twist at the end and a mm-hmm. reveal at the end that I really like, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna say it because I don't want to completely spoil the movie. Sure, but that might be my favorite part. No, I, I I don't disagree. That's a it's a great great part of the movie. I think my my favorite part too though is. Uh, is is kind of brutal, but like, spoilers. <laughs> um, Fenton kills his father, right? And my favorite part—the reason that's my favorite part—is because the look of just pure betrayal on the mm. on the face of his father when his son kills him, right? Is is heart wrenching almost because you know Bill Paxton loves his son and you know he's just doing what he knows is true. And and when he kills him, it's like your son. It's just total betrayal by your son. The other reason, you know? the other reason that that part is so cool and effective too, is because um, at one point, Dad tells Fenton that the angel told me that you are a demon. Yeah. Because Fenton's been very resistant to this idea the entire time, and you think it's just because he actually has his wits about him and yeah. he's not going to go along with this crazy plan of his dad's, but his dad tells him. The, the angel tell, told me you're a demon, but I refuse to believe him, and together we're going to prove him wrong. So they get to a point where you think Fenton's finally on board with it, and mm-hmm. then he kills his dad. Yep. And you go through two different kinds of thought process, processes right there. It's either he just killed his dad because it was the right thing to do, because his dad was getting out of control, or... There's kind of this look on Fenton's face where you do think like maybe he does have like a real darkness inside yeah. of him, you know. Yeah, it's creepy. And so. it's, it's the the whole movie's so effective. Yeah. And, and it's it's a drama, like like first and foremost. Yeah. It's a horror movie too, but it's a drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, 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 and it really lives in those really tense, just slow, terrifying moments mm-hmm. of of not knowing from a character standpoint, you right. know, um, and it does it so effectively, and especially for Bill Paxton, just being I think his first directorial debut, like yeah, he killed it. <laughs> well, it's his first, it's his first debut. Yes, um, yeah, he killed it. That's yeah, nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, it's so good though, so good. If you've never seen it, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, yeah. And it's a little bit, it's a bit of a sleeper. Not, I mean, a lot of people know about it, but there's 
just as many, if not more, that don't know about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, definitely look it up. It's uh, it's fantastic. Fantastiche. Well, moving along, the next movie that we're going to talk about, the Amityville Horror, mm. but not the original. We no. decided to go with the remake for this one from 2005. Do we really have a reason? Uh, no, it's better. Really. <laughs> it's better. Well, I'll I'll take that stance. I will. Yeah, I, I'm. They're both really good. They're. I'm, the, I'm not saying that the first one's bad. No. I'm, or the original's bad. I just really like the remake. This is one of those rare instances where the updated version is really fucking good. I I know? hadn't I hadn't seen it in a long time, mm-hmm. and I I did still really like it. But it is it is definitely like um, a modern remake, like like way up in your face kind of movie, oh, sure. you know what I mean? It is, but you know what though? Unlike a lot of other remakes that you you can you get the sense that they're doing everything they're doing uh just for the sake of doing it. Right. Everything felt very um deliberately in place in this mm-hmm. one. That that might be a bad way of saying that, but um I get what you're saying though. Like it, it doesn't seem out of place for anything to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everything exists because it needs to and is done really really well. Um, and which a lot of like jump scares or like ghosts and mirrors and stuff like that just can't work in a lot of movies. This one's effective. This movie, this movie, I will, I will say this. It relied a little too heavily on jump scares and like musical stings and stuff like that. Like that it was like, there was one, there's one scene where, uh, it's like a, it's like a, probably a, a minute long section of the movie that takes place in about two or three different locations. And within that minute, there's seriously like five jump scares. Which part is this? The uh, it's it's the part where um, uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, Ryan Reynolds is in this movie, by the way, George mm-hmm. Lutz. He goes out to the boathouse mm-hmm. and he thinks he sees something in the water, so he dives into the water, and then he comes back out, and then he sees up in the window a little girl up in his. Oh. Uh, stepdaughter's room yep. and then he looks to the other window and then she's standing right next to the stepdaughter yep. and then he goes upstairs and the stepdaughter's sleeping in her stepdaughter's bed sleeping. Yep. so then he goes in the closet and then there's the little ghost girl on the ceiling and then like just all with yeah, him it, you're right that, it's, that it's, one it's all like really rapid fire and it keeps on doing those musical stings like the bang, bang. <laughs> it's just like wow you're really overusing this right now but you know what though I still didn't find it no, no, it wasn't. No, I still liked it. I was just, but it does it so many more times in the movie where it's like they relied pretty heavily on it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this was directed by Andrew Douglas, written by Scott Kozar. There's no surprise there because he pretty much just writes <laughs> remakes. That's like, fair. Pretty much every remake from the last ten years like or what? ten, huh? Like what? Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, he wrote that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, jeez, okay. Yeah, like all of the new remakes. Scott Coe's Fair enough. Written. Fair enough. Um, this uh, Andrew is... Andrew Douglas, the director, which which is weird for as good as this remake is, mm-hmm. he never went on to do pretty any much of anything else. Oh, really? No, no. Hmm. Not this, even this... like no production or anything. He like did that, some or? stuff, but like nothing big though. There's nothing of name. You oh. would think. I don't know. This movie was good enough to me where you'd think he'd get more work afterwards. But um, do you have a? Uh... Do you have a shorter... I have a pretty long synopsis here. Do you have a short Uh, one? Newlyweds are terrorized by demonic forces after moving into a large house that was the site of a grisly mass murder a year before. Yeah. So if you know anything about the original uh, Amityville Horror, Mm -hmm. pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Starring Ryan Reynolds, 
Melissa George, who we've talked about previous in a movie called The Triangle. Triangle, yep. Not uh, The Triangle, just Triangle. Just Triangle. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, this little girl, I've never heard of her. Her name's Chloe Grace Morell. <laughs> <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz uh, plays Chelsea Lutz, the her little girl. debut role. Oh, yeah, this it was, very, wasn't it? This was her very first role, yeah, she and was, she kills it. Yeah, she was just... She actually did most of her stunts in yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like there was a part where she was up on the like the peak of the roof. How did they do that? Yeah, that, I'm that sure that be... wasn't a real roof, but she probably was bouncing on it though. Yeah, you know? that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just one random one random actor in this movie that I couldn't take him seriously because uh, it was Philip Baker Hall. He played Father Calloway. Okay. There's an episode of Seinfeld where he plays uh, a library police officer. A library police officer. He's a, he's like a detective. Like he's he's the guy who, the library sends out to find people who haven't returned their books, <laughs> and he's like this hard boiled, like fast talking, like old noir style um, officer. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's hilarious. So every time I, as soon as I heard his voice, I I couldn't not think of him in that role. So. Uh, yeah, couldn't take him seriously, but uh, yeah, I actually didn't care for his his role in this movie. Oh, really? Didn't like it at all. Why not? I thought it was a bit weak. I thought that uh, they could have done a lot more about why he he basically shows up to the house. Like, so Melissa George's character, the uh, wife for Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, her name is Kathy. Kathy Lutz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy goes to the priest, basically saying there's something wrong with my house. Uh, I, I think there's something in it, you know, this and that. They discover that it was the scene of the crime, yada, 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 yada. Mm-hmm. So the priest comes to the house and is there for like five minutes and then he's gone. Like, so he, he he's there for like five minutes. He starts doing his, his cleansing of the house. Yeah. And it hits him right away. All the flies and everything come out of the ba- the. the the heat ducts. Yeah. And he, and, and, but that's it though. I, I wish there was a little bit more, uh, explanation as to what was going on to the priest in the house. What do you mean? I don't know. I just, I just thought there should be more. I, I think that's kind of how the original went too. Like the flies filled the room. Right? Wouldn't that be enough to scare you out? Cause the flies come out of the, he hears, he, he hears, um, he starts to do like an exorcism of the house. And he hears something coming from the heating vent, and he puts his face up there, and he gets pummeled by, like, thousands of flies. Mm-hmm. They're crawling in his mouth and his eyes and well, stuff like I guess, that. And then the door opens, and you hear the voice say, get out. I don't think that it... Okay, let me let me rephrase what I was saying. It's not so much that it was the quickness of him being in the house. It was the quickness of his character being in the movie. I like the idea of the priest being the one that gives a lot of backstory and a lot of expose to what's actually going on. Like, I like those types of characters. Yeah. And I thought that he could have done more to give more history and and reasoning for the house. Well, Does that you make sense? But she, Kathy had already gone to the library and looked up all the old newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. So she already knew enough about the house to know that she needed but something it's, it's, to be but done. It's, but it's expose for the audience, you know? That was the expose for the audience. I don't know. It was quick to me. It was, it was it was a little bit quick to me. I would have liked a little bit more. Yeah, that's all. Get over yourself. I'm allowed to. <laughs> no, you most <laughs> certainly are not. Um, yeah. Did you have any like favorite parts of this movie? Uh, yeah. The um, well, pretty much everything with Ryan Reynolds without well, a shirt on. For <laughs> my favorite part of the movie. first of all, let me say this. Uh, this was the first movie that I saw. I, I really think this was the first movie that Ryan Reynolds got outside of his comedy box in. 
I think you might be right, yeah. Because before that, he had done like Van Wilder and Waiting. Mm-hmm. And I can remember seeing uh, seeing previews for this and people just being like, Ryan Reynolds, why the hell is he in a horror movie? Oh, he's so good. And he killed it. Yeah, he was so really good. good. Like he, he there there are a couple moments in the movie where he, because there's, there's, there's a few times where he cracks jokes, mm-hmm. which are, they're funny jokes. And, well, yeah, and But there are a couple times where he, you see... It's not even when he's cracking jokes. There's one there's one moment where he tells the kid to wipe the stupid look off of his face and the way he says it sounds like it sounds like Van Wilder. It's just the look on his face and the way he says it in that moment. That's the that's the one part that stuck out like back in 2005 when I first saw this. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, there's Van Wilder right there." Mm. But other than that, he was really good in this movie. He does a really good job of playing a fucking crazy person like he, does, he really yeah. really does uh, and you believe him i i watched this i watched this flick at uh, like 12 30 i put it on mm-hmm. so it was late it was a late night watch for me and uh i'm watching it upstairs in in my uh in my room and i've i've mentioned this before i, I live in a colonial so like i have the, the <laughs> vaulted ceilings and everything and, bung- and this bungalow basically bungalow, yeah <clears throat> and so i have sort of the same outline of the amityville house in, in my ceiling yeah <laughs> with windows right at the very end mm-hmm. and so i'm watching this movie and i'm looking at things that are familiar and this movie's really effective like there's some like truly scary parts in this movie yeah there are especially for a remake i was very surprised that that it was able to in my eyes surpass the original as far as it being of, of effectiveness now granted if i had seen the original back in the 70s when it came out maybe i would think completely differently yeah you know, on it um the original is <laughs> good it's just it's sort of hokey and in some some places yeah whereas i this, think i think it's more so the 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 actual story behind it that makes the movie so frightening yeah you know like uh, the fact that it's based on supposedly exactly. true events exactly and and speaking of of ryan reynolds being such a like a, a killer actor in this mm-hmm. is uh you know from the father standpoint you can take like he is playing like the most despicable like father figure why do you say that? When he's when he's what do you mean why do I say that? When he's being evil? Like Oh, when he's being evil, yeah. <laughs> like like, like he, for the first for the first part of the movie, he was no, really he, effective at cuz he's he's the stepdad. He's like the new yeah. the new husband. But he's Kathy. trying his hardest to fit step into this family and take on a father role. But not forcing it at the same time. Like he's just trying to be a really likable nice stepdad yeah. and uh and he's effective at it so which makes it equally as effective when he starts to become a complete dick exactly <laughs> that, that's that's exactly my point though yeah. like 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 the kids legitimately fear him right and it's and it's creepy like yeah like the, some and some of the things that he says too like the, the, the there's one point when the uh the daughter uh chloe grace moretz she's uh crying or whatever after she had a big episode saying she wants wanted to see her daddy again and this and that mm-hmm. and ryan reynolds's character snaps back to his like possessed version of him and he looks at her as she's crying for because she misses her real dad and he's like what the fuck is wrong with you people right. you know, like and it's just like Whoa! What a dick. <laughs> there's there's the part where uh, the the older son he's making like Ryan Reynolds throughout this movie to like kind of release his aggression he keeps going out and chopping wood. Yeah. And there's a part where he makes the older son hold the wood while he's chopping it, and the kid's like starting to cry, and he grabs him by the face and presses his like his forehead right up against his and says uh, and says. Like, uh, we're like having fun, we're, aren't we're we? having fun, we're friends, right? Or something like that. Oh, and then he tells so him to pick creepy. up another piece of wood. It's like, holy shit, man. Yeah. Um, like, that's the kind of guy that you don't fuck with, right? <laughs> he will kill you. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was scary. Um, 
Uh, the the first he was scary. He was scary. The uh, <laughs> the the first I I've seen this movie a ton of times, and the first like big scare. Well, I was watching it with headphones in once again, like I like I do often with some of these movies. The first like big scare in the movie got me again, and Which I knew it was that? coming. It's like uh, they're the uh, Kathy and George are uh, enjoying a nice coit, mm-hmm. <laughs> their first night in the house. Mm-hmm. And then, and you see like this, they've got a, in pure 70s style, they've got a mirror behind their bed. Yep. And you see like, uh, like Kathy's hand is up on the mirror and then she moves her hand down. There's the sting. And then you see the little girl who used to live in the house, like hanging by, hanging by a rope, standing on the edge of the bed. And then she kind of, Kathy kind of moves out of the way and, um, and, uh, George sees the little girl at the end of the bed and that Just freaks out yeah that whole scene still got me i was like wow that was especially with headphones in like and i had it kind of blasting in my ears i was like holy shit that now, really speaking of the little girl the little girl um is sort of a constant throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. because chloe grace uh, moretz's character uh it's like her imaginary friend right she sees this girl no one believes her that she's real but she sees her which is that's that's one of those things like the, the real kids. life things that really freak you out because i i I know that at some point one of my kids is going to have an imaginary friend and I'm going to just flip out about it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want this. Yep. You're basically going to do exactly what the parents in this movie did. Exactly. Um, so here's the thing, though. At the end of the movie, after after the climax happens and after after they're they're out of the house clearly they leave by the end of that by the end of the movie uh, the movie ends with the, the dead little girl standing in the doorway. Mm-hmm. Like did in you, the foyer of the yeah, house, yeah. Did you get the impression that she was the one that was causing everything? No. Not at all? No, because then she gets dragged into the floor. True. No, she she tells okay. she tells um, Chelsea, who is Chloe Grace Moretz, she tells her that there's a, a bad man living in the house with them, mm-hmm. and he makes her do bad things, and she doesn't like him. Okay. And that was Ketchum, uh, Father Ketchum, yeah. or whatever his name is. <laughs> Who is the like the main antagonist? You don't really see too much of him, but you you hear him a lot because mm-hmm. he's his phrase is catch him and kill him. Yeah, and it's he keeps whispering that to uh, to George throughout the movie, which is the same thing that uh, we didn't really talk about the beginning of the movie. But there was a family who lived in the house prior to them, and the oldest son went nuts one night mm-hmm. and. Which is went, the real went, story. Went of, through and shot everybody while they were in their bed with a shotgun. Which is essentially the real life story of what happened in the Amityville house. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and and then that kind that same kind of thing starts to happen to George, where he starts hearing voices and and uh, basically by the end of the movie ends up walking around with yeah. a shotgun. So. Um, I don't. This has nothing to do with this movie, but I do want to touch really quickly on the original story. Okay. And one of the things that's always fascinated me about the original story. Is that uh, it's the it's it's one of the sons I believe it was that killed the, the entire family. Yeah, Ronnie uh, DeVeo. Yeah. So what kills me, no pun intended, about about this original story, and that fascinates me is that every person that died in that house was face down, shot in the back, in like their sleeping positions essentially. Which is weird. And that be- nobody woke up when there's gun gun blast going on. Right, off. because there was actually like I could understand it was a big house, so sure. I could I could maybe understand. This just means it. more echo to me. Like, 
bigger echo chambers. Well, uh, yeah, because a, sh- a shotgun going off in a house, that's loud. That's loud. <laughs> I can understand it a little bit if you're... Because t- it's such a big house, there were like rooms on opposite ends of the house and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But at one point, the mother and the father are shot laying in bed next to each and other. the kids, I believe, a couple of them shared rooms. But he did... He was shooting them with a repeater. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you shoot and then it's got the little like... Yeah, the, it's... I it's mean, you could, you could, not... the, the whole point of a, of a repeater is that you could, it was a shotgun that you could reload and shoot really quickly. So yeah. I guess it still, it still seems odd to me though, that, but if you heard it, like no movement though, yeah, you know? if you heard a shotgun go off, like you'd be like exactly, up exactly. straight in bed immediately. It's always creeped me out about that story though. Yeah. The like, real life what, story. Yeah. What was going like if there were other powers kind of. Yeah, at work uh, where it actually like just caused the family to lie perfectly still yeah, or something like that. I don't know. There's it's... a ton of documentaries on it. I, I urge people to go watch them because they're fascinating. Yeah, they're if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, um, did you know the original house, the the original Amityville house, the one that happened in real life? Mm-hmm. People that own it now, they took out those big windows, the ones in the attic that are that are so iconic. Yeah, they took them out so that the tourists wouldn't know which house it is. Yeah, I, I I think I read that the the house is virtually unrecognizable yep. now. Yep. Now I don't even like. Was it actually shaped the way that? Yeah, yeah I believe okay. that it was. I always thought that it was just like a ranch style house. No, I I think the 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 original look because it had those those super iconic like ones the like big, the eyes almost like the, yeah. like the half of a skull or something like that. Right. Yeah, that was actually there. That's oh, why okay. that's why that's pictured in pretty much everything with it. Oh, okay, I always I always thought that they kind of that was just kind of like a. A thing that they added for the yeah. Hollywood touch, you know what I mean? No, no, it's it's it. I it's best of my knowledge. That's always been there. This movie's uh, as far as like weird real things happening during this movie. First of all, there was a dead, murdered fisherman who washed up on the shores of the river mm-hmm. like a couple days before that. The, before they were uh, scheduled to start shooting. Yeah. Which right off the bat, you're like, Ugh, that's it's a bad. It's a, it's a bad omen. Bad omen. <laughs> And then Melissa, Melissa George, who played Kathy, actually claims to have experienced a ton of supernatural I don't buy it. Um, I don't buy it for things. a second. You don't think so? No. You think it was just the mood? I think it was the like mood. Like, she, she just got so into and, it and just... And, I, and, I, and, and when, I was, when I was doing my research for the thing, where she said that was on, like, press dockets. Mm-hmm. Oh, She's so, selling the movie. Yeah. She's selling the movie. <laughs> I don't buy it for a second. Yeah. But, um... Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. You got anything else to add to this one? Uh, no, I think we're good on that one. I think we can move on to our final, final flick of the evening. Our final flick of the evening would be the sh. What? No, please. You're gonna say something? Please go on. Uh, the Shining from 1980. Oh, that's movie. So, Michael, why don't you tell us, why does The Shining from 1980 make you a douche? Um, Because I've seen it a hundred (laughs) times. Yeah? Be honest. Uh, I've only ever seen it once. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't even... And it was yesterday. (laughs) 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 Ah, Christ. Okay, so I've only ever seen this movie once, and it was on TV, and it was about 12 years ago in a friend's basement, and I wasn't paying attention to it. (sighs) And... Can I can I just say it? Can I say what you told me a couple days ago? Mike goes, yeah, I don't I don't like The Shining. I I remember I 
and my, now and now it comes my, to light you've only seen kind of seen it once my recollection and you of weren't it, paying attention my recollection of it when we watched it i remember it was around christmas time because a buddy of mine always watches it at christmas time because he considers it a christmas movie Oh, it's okay. snowy outside. Who's that? Yeah. My, my, this is Vince Ortman. Oh, okay. my, one of my old buddies. Vince Ortman. That sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> He'd make a terrible wrestler. I promise you. What's is there a Randy? Randy Orton. Oh, Randy Orton. Here's okay. a Randy Orton. Um, no. So I'd only seen I'd only seen parts of the one time and I was completely disinterested in it. And I, I I come to realize that it was just the bad way to see that movie, mm-hmm. especially on TV. Like all the good parts are cut out oh, yeah yeah it's it was just not a good way to see it plus this is yeah this is a movie you should watch alone the first like and yeah. really take it in yeah um and i realized that after after watching it yeah i loved this movie after watching it um, um it's actually pretty cool that we got to play the movies that make mike a douche theme which is our new theme for when <laughs> mike hasn't seen mike me being a douche and that's the song uh I, i'm gonna butcher that also sprock zarathustra Yes. From 2001, A Space Odyssey. Who is directed by? Stanley Kubrick. Who's that? Uh, he also directed um, <laughs> the, Sh- the Shining. Oh. Well. Which we're going to talk about right now. I don't think he had much of a career after that, though, did he? No. No, he kind of fizzled out after yeah, that. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Stanley Kubrick directed this in 1980. Uh, this was the novel, based off of the novel written by Stephen King. Um, if you've ever read the novel, it's nothing like it. Yeah, that's it's, what I've heard. It's really... I've heard that because that's what Stephen King says. Stan, Stephen King hates this movie. He he has gone on record as saying that it was really well shot and, yeah. and, and the, the imagery was amazing and, and super frightening, but it's not his novel. Yeah, no. And Stu, Stanley Kubrick, I mean, he... He took this thing and he he made it as a, he made it its own and he's not... He's completely unapologetic about it. Yeah. And... Um, well, it was, it's just... It was, it was funny. Stephen King was Stephen King uh, actually remade this in the 90s I believe it was he got the rights back to make it, it like the only reason like the only one. reason that he was able to make it was because he signed an agreement saying that he would no longer trash on Kubrick's oh, are you serious? on Kubrick's version of it yeah yeah he made a is a mini series a TV made for TV mini series I you, actually watched it well yeah can you grab me a beer but not your father's <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, I never saw the TV miniseries of it. No, I never did either. I'm actually very curious now that I've seen Kubrick's version. It's, I kind of want to go back and watch that It's a lot more like the book. I've only seen it once, and it was when it was on TV. I watched it in the, like, you know, three days in a row or whatever it was when it was on TV. Um, and I like Kubrick's version better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I've, it's fucking weird, man. It's a weird movie. This movie, uh, this movie is, like, one of the most fascinating things to me. Just because we'll get into it, but there's just so much, there's so many, so much to it. going on, and so many fan theories about it, and like some really, some pretty like, some some of them really have legs too. You I, know, it's like it's. Pretty, I almost have to believe in a lot of them yeah. simply because without them, this move, there's things in this move that make no fucking sense. Yeah, at all. Well, let's uh, here. We'll do a quick synopsis, and then we'll get into it. Uh, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where an evil and spiritual presence influences the father into violence, while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from the past and of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, this was starring Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, Shelley Duvall as Wendy Torrance, uh, Danny Lloyd was young Danny, mm-hmm. Scatman Crothers as Ooh. Dick Halloran, and uh, yeah, that's about it. That's all you need to know. I'm really. going to go on record and I'm going to say something. Yeah. 
I think Shelley Duvall was not good in this movie. Really? I thought she I was know, great. And I know that that's a terrible thing to say because it goes against probably what most people think. Mm-hmm. I had a really, really hard time buying buying her character. Well, you're, she was too weird. You're going you're going against Jack Nicholson, Jack Torrance himself, in saying that because he he went oh, on he rec- loved her performance. He went on record yeah. as saying that she probably had the the toughest acting job of any actor he's ever seen. Maybe I just don't like her. I don't know. There's something about her, maybe just her acting style that I don't like. I don't know what it is, but I never was invested in her character because she seemed. She almost seemed like fake. Like she was so she was so far out there. Like her personality type, you know. Well, that it was really difficult for me to to grasp onto that character and care about her. She, I mean, she's a little bit awkward mm-hmm. and kind of like I. I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was bad acting. Really, I think it was. She was. She was playing this really meek, like timid, kind of weird woman you know yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that's how it came across as far as i'm concerned anyway but um well, fair enough fair enough that's just personal taste yeah right I, I know that stephen king didn't like her as a, because it, in in the in the novel i've i've never made it through the entire novel but uh because i the only time i ever tried was when i was way younger and stephen king with as wordy as he is and as add as i am when yeah. i was younger I, I i couldn't really make it through a lot of his stuff but um, um, as far as I know, the character of uh, Wendy is is much different in the book. Okay. Um, I think. Don't quote Fair. me on that. I'd but, like to, uh, I would like to read it one day. I find Stephen King a little bit difficult to get through sometimes. I I appreciate him a lot more now that I'm older. Yeah. Um, like I I started reading it again. I read it when I was younger, and I just remember it being just super long and really mm-hmm. detailed. And I started reading it again recently, and it's it's much more digestible now that I'm older. Mm-hmm. I'm not such a schmuck. little piece of yeah schmuck. <laughs> piece of schmuck. <laughs> um, so like what I was saying, or well, first first of all, like for the for the plot of the movie, anyway. Um. Jack Torrance is hired to become the the winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel, uh-huh. which is up in the mountains in Colorado. And uh, they basically close this place off to the world for the entire winter. I mean, you would think that they would keep it open because there would be great skiing up there, but there's a 25-mile stretch of road they call the Sidewinder that basically hugs the mountain that they say it would just be too economically difficult to keep it open for sure. the winter yeah and then so, the amount of snow they get right like the only way to get to to and from any place during the winter is with a with a snow cap and so uh they they hire him basically to just kind of maintain the place uh during the five months of winter mm-hmm. and he's all into it because he's a he's a former teacher but now he's a writer trying to make his way and he figures the isolation will let him concentrate and he thinks that his wife and his son will really be into it so um so they move up there and thus begins the the journey of the torrance family the, down, the downward spiral of <laughs> yeah, the, the downward spiral um, one of the things when I was rewatching this, uh, or, or watching it, I guess I should say, uh, is I didn't realize that the that the visions started so early in the movie. I always thought those came way later. Oh, for for Danny? Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're like right in the beginning of the movie. You start to see them. Uh huh. And he's like, he's almost like, and I I never. When I watched it years ago, I never even remember picking up on the idea that the son was psychic. 
Oh, like, really? Yeah, that's how much I wasn't really watching yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's what The that's, Shining yeah. is. Yeah, it's the, if you shine, because there's, there's two characters in the movie who have the shine, which is this, this ability to kind of not only communicate uh, through just the mind, but also to kind of see the past and mm-hmm. see what's going to happen in the future. It's like pictures in a photo book. They can't hurt you. Right. <laughs> right, or can they? And the, the 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 two people in the movie who have the shine are um, are Danny Torrance and Dick Halloran, played by mm-hmm. Scatman Crothers, and he's the uh, just the chef, you know, just the chef at the at the Overlook Hotel. So you you don't really think much of him mm-hmm. when he first starts. He's just the nicest old man in the entire world, showing him around the place, showing Wendy the kitchen to you know. So she knows where she's going during the winter. You know who really doesn't think anything of him? The old caretaker. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I was a little bit taken aback by that. I did not expect that that language to come out of it. You know. There's a pretty yeah. There's a pretty hard end bomb dropped in this movie. Couple, no, lots of them right in a row. Well, it's like, just two. No, there's way way more than two. Oh no, it's three. Sorry. I think there's more than that. Well, Grady says that, and, and then, then and then Jack says, says it back, back and, and then, then Grady says it, says it one more time. Yeah, it's regardless of how many times it doesn't it's matter, but that exchange is <laughs> is very uncomfortable to watch because I don't know. It just it I, seems so out of place. I think it seems so not, out of place. not really because if you think about if you think about once you get into the the true meanings of this movie or what a lot of people think of the true meanings of this movie it just dawned on me the very last visual of the entire movie what puts that in perspective a little bit what think about the i don't want to give anything away uh-huh. think of the very last visual of the movie the picture it's a, it's a photograph yeah and there's a date on it 1921 mm-hmm. yeah i'm not gonna say what else is in the photo but it makes a little bit more sense now well, and also if you're if you're looking at the underlying like subtext of what a lot of people think, Kubrick not that it was, was acceptable back in the day either. No, <laughs> I'm uh, not saying no. That, like but. what what Kubrick was trying to, you know, because there's there's themes in this movie that make people think that it's about um, the genocide of the American Indians. Yep. There's themes in the movie that make people think about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. uh, faking the moon landing, mm-hmm. um, subliminal sexual. Uh, advertising. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he would throw something in there, like like you know, just throwing out the hard N word as one more as one just more to throw kind of, off, just to kind of throw off everything. Like, well, because the whole movie, if, if you think about it in these in these ways, it's kind of like it's 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 really about um, it, the way some people describe it. It's it's about society kind of facing facing all the all the like facing head on all the wrong things that they've done Mm -hmm. but then backpedaling and turning away from it and acting like it never happened uh (laughs) this might be confusing to listen to what i'm talking about is uh there's a in particular there's a documentary called room 237 yep and i don't want to get too much into it because i think at one point in time we should do a documentary uh yeah episode and i think that we should talk about room 237 because we might have to to do an entire episode just in that one movie that would be i would do i would do an entire episode on the shining because i think it's fascinating Mm -hmm. um so to stay more on the surface of this movie then and not get too much into that kind of stuff basically what you have is uh jack torrance is up in the mountains with his family and he is slowly driven by driven mad by the isolation Mm -hmm. that's what it is on the surface yeah well 
sort of though, because they don't really bury the lead and with the whole psychic thing either though. So you already know that there's something else going on. It's not just basic bitches. <laughs> it's not basic, basic bitches. bitches. <laughs> no, it's it's not just it's not just your 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 garden variety isolation though. You know what mm. I'm saying? Because they don't no, really you bury can, that lead. You can definitely tell there's something off about the hotel from the beginning. One thing that one thing that struck me that I had never noticed before. Um when Dick Halloran is showing Wendy around the kitchen, he goes to he goes to take her into the walk-in freezer, mm-hmm. and you can see um, he goes to open it with his left hand, and there's a row of windows right next to him, and they walk into the op- into the freezer, and it's now the door is now swinging the opposite way, as if he opened it with his right hand, and then when they walk back out of it, that row of windows is gone. Really? Yeah. I never noticed so, that. I know that there's. And, and, I know that there's another thing about windows too, though. When uh, when uh, Jack Jack is first going in for his interview, right? He's basically taken into a um, a room that's in the center of the hotel. Yet there's windows. There's in the a back giant of the room. window looking out onto the outdoors, and it makes no sense. It's an for impossible it to be there. window. There's yeah. actually been people who have people obsess over this movie. Yes, they do. Like get crazy. And I get, and I get it now too. I was. This movie is is really. We'll get back to that that point in yeah, a second. Yeah. But I, I I realized when I was watching it though, like this movie's it's two and a half hours long. It's mm-hmm. a long movie to get through, and by and large, it's a pretty fucking slow moving movie. But there's but there's so much to take in in every though. single frame that it's like you don't get bored. With I it. I watched this with my my roommate Jen, who we've we've talked about on the mm-hmm. show before, and uh, she's never seen it either mm-hmm. and both of us were just fascinated like 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 it's so slow and it's so nothing really happens yet you're glued to the screen there's something about it yeah. energetic about this movie that just sucks you in right um well, and, and, the, and these are all the kinds of things that that do that you know well and there there may have been even things that you weren't outwardly noticing that that struck you like uh, stanley kubrick there's there's nothing in any frame of any one of his movies that is by mistake yeah he was he was known for being meticulous about continuity he was known for uh taking 75 80 100 takes to get yep. one single shot the ball the ball that rolls straight down the center of the carpet right. at uh at the sun it yeah. was 100 takes yeah exactly just for like literally like a two second shot of a ball rolling mm-hmm. um and and so there's there's certain things in the movie mm-hmm. like there's there's one part where um wendy is talking to jack in the colorado room which is this just vast uh lounge room basically yeah. where he's working on his book or whatever he's working on i have a fun fact about that and there's and there's uh there's a shot of jack and he's got a chair behind him this is this goes back to where i was saying you could kind of tell right from the get-go that there was something off about the hotel she um she's talking to him and there's a there's a shot of jack and he's got the ooh a shot of jack hey <laughs> there's a shot of jack and he's got a chair behind him this giant chair Does and then jim count and then they cut away from him back to her and then they cut back to him and the chair is gone mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people have said well it's just a continuity area, error, error but they're not with stanley kubrick he's he he, would, he, he, would he actually doesn't set, have continuity he would errors. dress the backgrounds himself right. to make sure they were exactly the way he wanted them and that and in that, a lot of his films that also goes into another one of the theories the theory of the american indian american indian this genocide this one's tough for me to get behind it's a little bit flimsy really uh, to this me is this is one of the strongest ones to me i think the strongest one's the apollo landing not that i completely buy it 
but I love the idea. Well, of it. The, the way the way one guy described it in Room Two Thirty Seven was not that not that you not that you're not supposed to believe that man didn't land on the moon. It's just that the footage that we saw was not the real footage. Sure. It's like it's kind of like they they likened it to the old. Um, the old uh, clips that they would show of World War II and stuff, mm-hmm. you weren't actually seeing footage of guys storming Normandy. You were watching guys storming a beach on ho- in Hollywood. Sure, but it it wasn't it wasn't it was more used for dramatic effect. It was used to show you uh, what was going on. But we were there. also in a space race, so you had to have the footage to prove you did it. Right, and so nobody could ever talk about it, and yeah. There's there's a lot of different it's, theories it's about the movie that re- and 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 that's and that's why it kind of makes sense as to why he took the story and ran with it in a completely opposite direction of what Stephen King had intended. Sure. Because he was just using it as a vessel for his own confessions. Supposedly. 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 But I mean, you know, Stanley Kubrick was a genius. He was a certified genius. He had an IQ of 200. So He's a smart guy. Uh, he when he made movies, not as ma- smart as me. <laughs> not as smart as you. That's true. When he smart made guy. movies, he made them for a reason. He wasn't just making movies. Like yeah. every single one of his movies had something else to say. He was an artiste. He was an artiste. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Jack Nicholson because that's yeah. the whole focus of of the episode. Here. Yeah, we're we're gonna do a Shining. We have to do a Shining. Well, episode. it'll be later on. Yeah, it'll be, on yeah, it'll be way <laughs> way down the road, but we have to do it. Um, Jack Nicholson's character though is uh, he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> Let's let's just get that out of the way right now. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He, uh, he doesn't even start off very no very likable because no. it, it, you 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 kind of get the message soon, like very early on in the movie that there has been instances of him uh, physically abusing Danny. Well, it, and it was supposedly an accident. He was drinking and he came home and his son had scattered papers. He went to go grab him away. Used a little bit too much strength. 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 And uh, yanked his arm out of his socket. Which, I mean... Dislocated his, his shoulder. <laughs> accident or not, that's still... Like, it, you gotta really... You gotta really pull on a kid's... Believe me, I know. I once, you I you once, really have to pull on a kid's arm I, hard to dislocate I, it. I once pushed you off of a porch and that was an accident. That's and right. And you screwed up your arm really bad. Yep. It's an accident. To this day, I have pain and nightmares. <laughs> Michael, that's your fault. Um, um, my no, point it, is though. My point is though. This is like out of all the movies that we watched though, his decline into madness is the most terrifying. Unbelievable. Oh Jesus, <laughs> so scary. There's just like there's one shot where um, Wendy and Danny are out. Or well, first of all, Wendy goes in to ask uh, Jack if he'll um, you know go out for a walk with her or something. He mm-hmm. says he's I, he's pretty mean to her and says he's got other stuff to do. And then her and Danny are like just out running, and he and they cut to a shot of him, uh, just standing in the Colorado Lounge, staring out at them, and he's just he's just standing there like like a statue with this look on his face that is just horrifying. Like I fucking hate you. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. Just, oh it's, man. You are the bane of my existence. Jack Nicholson just have has one of those faces to begin with where it's just kind of scary all the time. He's got kind of a stupid face. He's his eyebrows like he's it's just a stupid face. I think he's just he's he's scary looking. Sure, um, he's, sure he's a fantastic guy, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, just a peach. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, I, I his his descent in the madness though is fascinating because did you ever get the the sense that perhaps Jack Nicholson also had a little bit of shining in him that he might not have realized because the son didn't realize it either until somebody else explained it to him because Jack Nicholson is seeing a lot of things that he shouldn't rightfully be seeing. He was definitely sensitive to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because he because he saw the blood coming out of the, the elevator at one point in time. Um, that flashed with him at the end, and that was the thing that the kid had seen. At no, the it was of the it was Wendy that saw it at the end. I think he did too. Oh, did he? I'm pretty sure because when I when it, when it happened, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, is is he shining as well? Like, is he actually in tune to this?" Yeah, and there there's definitely uh, there's definitely something. George is here. <laughs> We're having some. Weird technical difficulties. There's definitely something. I'm shining. Well, it, or or maybe it just had something. Like they they say people who are in like some uh, like uh, emotionally distressed, like distressed yeah. states, or like people who are yeah just emotionally or or mentally diminished in some way uh, are more sensitive to that kind of stuff. And the fact that he was battling alcoholism, yep. you know, like he had been five months sober. And he was in this situation that was high stress. Like, maybe it just made him more sensitive to it. Wendy wasn't seeing any of this stuff until she was put in a high stress situation where Jack started to go crazy. Yeah. So, and, and, she the, and, then, and she's like stuck with and him 24 7. Yeah. And then she started to see things. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, sure. M- maybe it's just that state of mind that you have to be in. But uh, maybe, but I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't help but think to myself that, like, maybe the, the shining thing was passed down and he just didn't know about it. You know what I'm saying? Because he is seeing certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, It's an interesting theory at least. I Seriously, we could go, we could go around and around about this all night long. Yeah. And I don't think we can. No. (laughs) That's why I said, I I think sometime we have to actually do it. I I think we have to do a shining episode and we have to get maybe Chris Jordan in here. Yeah. this, This would be a good one to get somebody that knows a lot more about it than we do. Yeah. Like to, we're, we're but, gonna we're gonna come in here and do a shining episode. We're gonna skip the news. We're gonna skip the intro and all that crap, and just go right into the shining and just yeah. do a whole thing about it. Because you could you could seriously sit here and talk about this movie for hours. That's why there's been like a, a thousand documentaries on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what what are your final thoughts though on the shining? My final thoughts. I it's it's one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. It, it it always was one of my favorites, and then once I started to find out more and more about all these like weird. Um, theories. These are the kind of movies that, like, where if you walk away from it and you're you're just stuck thinking about it for days and days, going, "Well, what did this little, what did this little thing mean? What did mm-hmm. this little thing mm-hmm. mean?" Like, those are the types so of movies I love. Yeah. Like, what the fuck did the uh, the bear fucking the dude have anything to do with the movie? Oh, at the end, yeah. They open a door and there's a guy in a bear suit fucking another dude. Yeah. Why? Well, I- I mean, to each their own, but what the hell did that mean? I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that plays into the because they're like I said, there's all there's a ton of compelling arguments for a bunch of these different theories, and one of them was that Stanley Kubrick had before he uh, made this movie had just read a book about um, sub, subliminal messages put into ads, specifically using sex to to appeal to people, and I mean that one's really on the nose, yeah. but. There's other there's other aspects of the movie that have like sexual connotations. It's that just so weird. I, I don't know. It's just it's so weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, 
Yeah, for me, uh, being the first time that I've actually sat down and watched and really digested this movie, mm-hmm. um, I hate myself for for not watching it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I find I've also saying that a lot about a lot of these classics that I haven't seen. Um, that being said, coming from a, a f- very fresh perspective on mm-hmm. this movie, it still holds up. Like it really does. Like, oh, yeah. like without having that history behind it of watching it. It really, really does hold up, even though for a two and a half hour drama, mm-hmm. which let's be honest, most two and a half hour dramas can be a slog to get through. Yeah, not even at all. No. Like it's so fascinating just in its weirdness. Yeah, like and it's just well, especially now that you know that there's so so much other stuff going on. It's just you spend the entire movie not only taking in the actual narrative of the movie, but just your eyes are darting around the screen all sure, the time, sure. just trying to find other clues. Which they've all—I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them have been found well, by other people already. You know, it was funny. We watched Room Two Thirty Seven before I had obviously watched because we watched that what a year ago, something like that. Yeah, probably. And so I'm watching the movie for essentially the first time last. Last night is when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding myself remembering things from the documentary and I'm watching the backgrounds and I'm right. watching this. Like, yeah, there's just so much. Once you know about it, you can't not watch it like yeah. that. You know? Like how there's uh, like all these little impossibilities that are mm-hmm. like the impossible window that we talked about yep. earlier, the uh, impossible freezer door that I was talking about, um, the fact that when Danny's riding his big wheel around in the place... The first time you see it, he's riding all on the same level. The second time you see it, he's still going around in a circle, but somehow he's going from the first floor to the second floor, even though it's impossible to do. And then the third time you see it, he actually goes all the way from the bottom level of the hotel up to the third floor, all in, really all in one shot. That's really weird. Yeah. I never noticed that. There's some really cool stuff. I'm oh, fucked up. <laughs> I know. All right. We need to end it because <laughs> yeah, we, we can talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that's so the, the shining. shining. One out of ten. Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's a solid one five for me. Solid. <laughs> Were you solid? solid. <laughs> <laughs> Mike said solid. Started to uh, puke, and I thought he was going to do something else. It's, uh, it's getting late. Let's. Uh, we should call it. Yeah. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, and Horror Amino at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzkill PC. Uh, you can find JJ Raj. Follow on social media at Ocean Recording and www.oceanrecordingstudio.com. And we still got the special running where they can get 27% off. Said <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> what you said? Two weeks. Two weeks. You always see whatever you brought it up to. Said the rest of the month. The rest of the month, whatever I said in that episode. <laughs> yeah. If you want to figure it out, check out the whole last episode and figure out where it was said. There at. you go. All right. Well, uh, I guess that'll do it, boys. Had a good time. As did I. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Cheers, happy, boys. Happy. I, I got nothing. <laughs>